Okay, hello everyone and uh, welcome to Summerford Associates podcast. We use this to talk um, to leaders in the tech industry with an aim to get you, our listeners, excited about new trends we're seeing, new products and what the CISOs and product leaders are talking about. Summerford's position in this is that we're a kind of consulting partner. Um, so we have a few select vendors as our partners, like Okta, um, but essentially we're here to help. So we'll fit a solution to your pain points. And today we're talking to Ken Yearwood. Hello, Ken. Is that how Hi. I pronounce your name? <laughs> uh, Ken's the country manager, the VP, uh, UK and Ireland. Is that right? Of that Okta? is right. That's correct. Yeah. Cool. Okta, and Okta is, in, is a cloud solution to enable zero trust security, identity access management in this world of perimeterless work. Is that a fair summary, Ken? What does Okta I, do? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's kind of, kind of you know, some of the time we'll spend today is, is kind of digging in a little bit more what that means, what it means to us, more importantly, what it means to our customer base. But, but um, as a summary, yeah, pretty good. Thanks. So tell me about yourself. How did you get to be sitting in this role? And yeah, so it's, um, um, I think it's kind of a, a, a traditional journey for me. So um, I've, I've been in the IT industry since the back end of the 80s. I started out in distribution. Um, I've worked in networking. I've worked in uh, storage and, uh, and then in security. And I've been really fortunate uh, through no strategic planning of my own, but I've been really fortunate to be on the top of those waves each time they came around. So as a networking wave came around, I was there. And as this storage wave came around, I was there. And now the security wave, um, I've managed to secure myself a role in there. So I've been with Okta for just over um, four and a half years now. And I've, I've seen the business grow. Um, I've seen the marketplace um, change enormously in four and a half years. So, Yeah. So whereas before it wasn't probably as... Was it about cloud then four and a half years ago? Or? It was. It's, you know what, it, it tends to be industry-led. So whilst I think we're at a stage now where cloud is pretty much universally um, accepted, even in some of the more conservative market spaces such as finance and banking hmm. uh, there are very few organizations out there that don't have some sort of a cloud strategy um, but you're right back four and a half years ago um, maybe it was some of the early adopters those sort of companies that we now refer to as born in the cloud yeah and Okta's born in the cloud wasn't it I think we are born in the cloud yeah <laughs> everything, we do, everything we do is is has been um, designed from the ground up to basically exist in the cloud first, but also to help customers who are taking that journey and, and moving more and more of their applications into the cloud. Mm. So you personally have been a thought leader for some time, like riding those waves of trends since the I 80s. Have, I, ha I hate to think of myself as a thought leader, but... Uh, um, so what I thought would be interesting to speak to you around is, I think is your team's white paper, which was called Zero Trust Security in a Global Organization. Was that your team or you or? Yeah, no, actually that um, it came out of our, our um, marketing team. For those of the people who are listening to this podcast and haven't actually read it, I, I highly recommend you know, going to the website and downloading a copy and, and, uh, and reading it. But it's, it is as independent as it can be when things are put together by a, a vendor. But, you know, ultimately we have no axe to grind here. We, we're, we're looking at this new world and um and i say new but zero trust has been around for buzzword as as we've just agreed um has been around since uh 2009 so it's been around for a long time 
Um, but I think it's now beginning to gather prominence. It's, it's really interesting. You think about technology, you think about the speed of technology and the speed of, of, of adoption of, of, of new waves of technology. It's, I, I woke up this morning and I was listening to the radio and they were proclaiming that because of the pandemic and the situation that we find ourselves in now, that um, next year, in terms of the technology growth, we will actually be in, in 2025. So this pandemic has actually accelerated yeah. um, our people's use of technology. People who maybe were beginning to think about working from home, remote working, um, uh, distance working, whatever you want to call it, people who are thinking about that and thinking about a um, project on the horizon in, in 2025 and have now been thrown into it and therefore the technology is now racing to keep up with um with, with the demand yeah absolutely and zero trust is is part of that can you just explain what zero trust is just in case we've had someone no I, yeah absolutely do you know what again it's one of those things isn't it it's um i actually think the term itself is is somewhat problematic um, so to suggest zero trust kind of, you know, no one wants to feel like they're, they're not being trusted, right? Yeah, so, it's a bit um, negative, isn't it? <laughs> so it's, it, again, it's one of those IT buzzwords that, which um, need, it does, it needs a little bit of explaining. So what we're really thinking about when we talk about zero trust is, is kind of putting in the steps that you need in order to be trusted. Mm -hmm. um, so we start from a position, I guess, I guess probably the best thing to do is go back a step. So Part of the survey that we did for the white paper that we've already discussed, we discovered that um, something like 16% of organizations out there um, right now don't have an explicit strategy for zero trust. On the other hand, 97% of organizations actually have a zero trust project on the go. Mm. So that, you know, you, you can make of that what you will, but to me that says that People haven't strategically thought about it, but people have through osmosis and just through the natural progression of things have moved into zero trust without actually realizing that's what they've done. So if we think about what zero trust is, we think about, um, I'm going to call it the old world and just really to kind of separate the two, the two worlds that we're talking about. Think about the old world. Um, people were trusted because of lots of different elements. One would be that they were in an office. Mm -hmm. um, so they were there, they were present, they were in the building. The applications that they needed to access were also in that office. And therefore there was a inherent trust between the individual and the office and the applications that they needed to get to. And you could throw a, you know, some people call it a moat. I like to think of it as a ring of steel. The reality is it probably was a little bit more porous than a ring of steel, but let's call it a ring of steel for argument's sake. You throw a ring of steel around that, and then you have a trust, you have what we would call a, a trusted environment. That's what people call the perimeter, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you think of that, that trusted environment with that uh, ring of steel, that perimeter around it. What's now happened is that's somewhat collapsed. People, devices, applications are all now being pushed out into the cloud. And as that happens, of course, we have to rethink the way we actually secure um, access to those applications and, um, and how we trust people because we no longer have, if you like, line of sight of those individuals connecting to those applications. 
So that's kind of where the whole idea of zero trust comes from. So now you have people working remotely uh, from home, from other people's offices, from cafes, from a beach if they're really lucky. Um, mm. You have people not necessarily in the office and somehow we need to come up with a strategy that um, forms a trust between them and the applications that they want to get to. Yeah. So that's kind of where we've got to. And that's kind of where this zero trust start with the idea that those people are not trusted and then go through a set of policies which authenticates them and then allows us to trust them and give them access to those applications. Does it um, also incorporate the application layer as well? Because a lot of our um, applications are now software as a service and are in the yeah. cloud. Is it mostly people based? It's like you, you assume that if you're using, I don't know, Microsoft Teams, that's that is a trusted application. So, yeah, how would I think about that? Not necessarily. So, because you need to be able to trust both sides of, the, of that coin, right? You need to be able to trust the application, but you need to be able to trust that the right people have access to that application. So if you break it down into kind of some of, for us, our customers, what their core business goals are, what people tell us. So if I think about our customers and what they're telling us, their needs are actually quite straightforward. Obviously, the way that they need to achieve that is quite sophisticated. So a very basic level, what they're saying is they need, to, they need the right people to have the right level of access to the right resources. Um, and they need those people to be in the right context. And we'll talk about context um, shortly. And most importantly, because that's you know, that's, that's one thing. And there's several ways you could go about that. But most importantly, you need to make it frictionless. Because if yeah. you put friction in there, people will look for ways around it. Yeah, we're like water. just going. Absolutely. Because you want to do your work, people want to be efficient. And if Absolutely. they have to do something ridiculous in order to do their work, they'll just Quite do something so. else. I always, so if we go back to that kind of moat uh, analogy, I always think of it as my own home. You know, we, we all... When we used to leave our, our homes to go to the office mm -hmm. back in the day, if you can remember that far back, um, we would lock our front door and some of us would have an alarm on the front door and we would make sure that the windows were closed before we left. And then we would go, go to, uh, to the office and then in the evening we would reverse that. We would unlock the front door, we would turn off the alarm. If it was summer, we might open some windows. And that's fairly frictionless. But we understand that there's a risk involved in that because what we haven't done is we haven't, for instance, put bars on the windows. We haven't, for instance, put a vault door on our front door because that would cause friction for us. Yeah. And, and, and so in, in IT terms, what we're trying to do is we're trying to balance that risk versus security. Yeah. And that's kind of a part of what, what identity access management helps you achieve. Yeah, it's really hard to get that balance, though. And, you know, those customers with those needs, um, actually, your report talked about the, who's driving the adoption. And I assumed it would be the IT departments all the time. But actually, you were saying that there are other customers. It's actually because it's the whole business needs it. It's for years and years and years, IT have been fighting a battle. Right. They're constantly fighting the battle because if you think of what they want to do, they they want to be the department that says, yes, yes, we can give you this application. Yes, you can do this. Yes, you can do that. But they've been constrained by the fact that they need to throw security around that. And how do they how do they ensure that their business is secure at the same time as giving the applications to the um, staff that need those applications? And so this has always been this toggle. And, and so sometimes unfairly, the IT department, although they've always want to be the, the team that say yes, 
have been labeled as a team that say no right mm. I no there was even a joke about it on a tv program you know 10 years ago you know the computer says no it, it's it and it but it's not that doesn't necessarily need to be that way anymore so mm. because, of, um, because of the advancements that we've made we can now move to a situation where most people can have access to most of the applications that they want and we, with a, a identity management platform, you can actually secure those applications and secure those people. So, um, so, so the driver is really not only coming from IT, it's coming from the business, but IT are responding to the needs of the business. Yeah. So they're responding to that frictionless demand. Yeah. 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 So yeah. let's look at that maturity model then. Um, say I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just a potential um, person who might use Okta in the future. I'm not really sure where I am on my maturity model. Like I could have absolutely no security. I hope no one has that. Yeah. So that would be like stage zero, right? Stage zero minus. <laughs> stage zero, yeah. Yeah. So, so what's the first stage? What, where are most people? Yeah, so let me, let, let's, let's, um, well, let's go through the stages and then let's let our audience decide where they are for themselves. Yeah, why um, not? So, so the way I think of it and the way Okta thinks of it, if, if you can imagine um, that as we go through these stages, the, the further along you get, the higher the protection that you have. Mm -hmm. um, and that, as we've already said, we're trying to achieve that without adding friction. So think about stage, um, stage zero. So stage zero is essentially is fragmented identity, right? It's active directory on premise, um, no or very few cloud integrations and passwords everywhere. Right. And, it, and you almost, you're going back to the days where, you know, the, the often talked about uh, post-it note with a password stuck on it um, and, and stuck on the screen. Right. So that's, if you like stage, stage zero. Mm -hmm. um, stage one, it's kind of where I see many of our early adopter customers um, were. So when I joined the business four years ago, um, this kind of stage one was where many of those early adopters were. So stage one is, is a unified um, identity and access management um, solution in place, single sign-on, multi-factor authentication deployed, um, and unified policies across both applications and servers. So that's kind of your, your, your stage one. And we, we have a lot of customers that are are there today. A lot of customers who have then moved on to what I would think of as um, contextual access. So this is, if you like, stage stage two mm -hmm. of the journey. Um, and it is a journey. I guess that's important to say, and we didn't say that up front. This is a journey, right? There, there is, there's no silver bullet out there. There's no one vendor that does everything for you. And there's no easy, quick way of getting to the end result. Is that You can't get to the destination without actually doing the journey. So it is, it is a journey. Um, so stage two is where you would have contextual based access policies in place. You would have your multi-factor multi uh, uh, authentication um, deployed across all your user groups. You would have automation of provisioning and deprovisioning. So what we used to call the joiner, um, mover, uh, um, lever process. Um, secure access to APIs. Um, in place. So that's kind of stage two. You had a question there, so I'll pause before I go on to stage three. Well, I did, because when you, when you first said automatic provisioning of 
stuff, I, I instantly leapt to thinking automatic provisioning of servers and, and IT infrastructure, but then you discussed actually provisioning of the users. Like actually yeah, so, yeah so, so it's really important. If you think, again, so we're, we're, we're talking about a zero trust environment, right? So, um, if you put it, so if you put it into that context, yeah. um, you want to make sure that the users that ha currently have access to certain applications have the right access to the right applications at, at that particular time. They then may move jobs and need different applications. Mm. Um, and you need to make sure they have access to the new applications that they need. And maybe you need to deprovision their um, uh, access to the applications that they used to have. Yeah. So you need to be able to manage the access that they have to those applications. And then finally, of course, as people leave the business, you need to ensure that you've been properly deprovisioned. I always, and I'm not going to mention the company, I often talk about a, an event that I left an organization back in the 80s. And back then, of course, there was no such thing as zero trust. And there was certainly no such thing as, as identity management. I remained on that company's payroll for many, many months after um, I left. And um, fortunately, I didn't take the money, but I was on the payroll. Interesting enough, I got a job offer back at that company. And I went, um, obviously, through the, through the enrollment process. And they said, hold on, Ken, you're already on our system. It's <laughs> never been taken off. So it's, and it happens, right? Were you it, getting re-employed as a security person, it, it, I hope? So, so it happens, right? This, this yeah. stuff happens. People um, get left on systems, get forgotten. So um, the, the way to, to manage that is to automate as much as you can so that people yeah. are automatically, maybe you hook that in with your HR system. So a technology such as, as Okta would allow you to have um, what we call HR as a master. So as soon as they're deprovisioned in HR, all of their access is deprovisioned at the same time. Oh, so Okta does this automation as well. Also deploy what we call HR as a master, um, and you deploy that alongside lifecycle management, which is kind of what we're talking about, that um, automated deprovisioning, um, mm. provisioning and deprovisioning. Um, you have a really robust system. Yeah. Um, I feel like we got stuck in stage two. So let's, yeah, we let's did. move on. Let's Maybe move because on. it's alien to me. <laughs> <laughs> stage three really is where you have this kind of adaptive um, workforce. So you have um, risk-based access policies uh, in place. You have continuous adaptive authentication and authorization. And of course, that much vaulted kind of frictionless um, access to, to your, your, uh, your application. And then if you think about going beyond that and what that means you kind of getting into the realms of and this isn't a product announcement for uh, for, for your audience but you kind of get in the in the realms of things like um, passwordless access and that's clearly where this whole thing is going this this whole whole journey once you understand the context so once you understand the who the person is where they're logging on from what their device looks like once you have this context, you have multi-factor, you can actually start then carefully removing the need for passwords because you have the context. And when you have the context, you have that trusted relationship between the individual and the, um, oh. and, and the application. So I had an aha moment there because when you say no passwords, I think instantly of someone putting their eyeball against something or using fingerprints and stuff. But that's just a different sort. That's a biometric password. That's a, it's a password by another name. Yeah, absolutely. But what you're talking about is actually the intelligence to know this is the context and also like absolutely. if, if, if you're a risky employee because you've been, I don't know, I, 
you know, searching how best to steal information on Google. That sort of adaptive um, kind of knowledge yeah, would be built in. Yeah, so, so exactly. So it's, it's, um, it's the, the natural progression of, of, if you like, AI, right? And, and AI will help us as an industry to get there, to get to this passwordless world that, that we all, ultimately, we all want to live in because none of us yeah. want you know every website we go to um i I get the way i look at this is um if you have a business challenge a company like okta can help you with that but when i think about my personal life and i think about how many passwords i have and every time i want to buy a new pair of shoes i need to fill in a new form and i need to invent a new password you know and so so again all of that uh, all of the technology exists but it, at the moment it, it really seems to reside in this business to business world um you kind of in the in the consumer world it's it's not it hasn't caught there, up yeah. well we there's in the business world there's the cost associated with that pain so if there is the inefficiency or the risk of losing or losing cutting edge therefore there's something to pay for the, the products because there's a benefit. Totally. There's, there's, a, there's a couple of things in there, right? So in, in, um, so we address a number of use cases. So we address, as a, as a business, we address that workforce um, use case, but we also um, address SIAM, so um, customer identity access. Mm-hmm. And the customer identity access is, um, if you think about this in terms of where a, um, an organization it has a website which its customers then need to interact with, um, and how do we, how do we again throw that ring of security around those customers accessing the applications that belong to um, to to that customer base? And how do we make sure they have the right access to the right applications um, without any, you know, without any pain? So it's uh, there are so many use cases out there. It's such an exciting industry to be in. I think. It's um, cool. Yeah, and I I just think this this. The, the concept of zero trust and the fact that so many people are now talking about it. And if you go back to that, you know, that 97% of people um, of organizations currently have a project, although they're not strategically thinking about it, they're tactically deploying fixes to problems that they're seeing every day. I, I think when that flips on its head and people start strategically um, planning their zero trust um, strategy, I think uh, that really is for me the, the panacea, right? That's where we need to get to. Yeah, it's exciting. I think it's just so interesting to hear your take on what companies need um, Okta for and what, or, or various other vendors too, I suppose, but also like how you can go through that journey to become, well, one day passwordless. Wow, that would be amazing. Yeah, th- yeah, it's, it, you know, as I say, it's, um, we're well on the way, right? We're, we're well on the way to on that, on that, uh, on that journey. But I, I guess if I had to leave, um, our um, listeners with one final thought is just just remember that this is all about best of breed technology this isn't about just Okta um, you know I, I, I believe and I, and I think the market believes that Okta is the foundation to a, to a zero trust strategy but it's the foundation it's not as I said there is no silver bullet to this um, you, you have to go on that journey and you have to put the right solutions and technologies in place in order to to get you to where you need to be from uh, on this zero trust journey yeah yeah thank you ken it was lovely to chat to you likewise i will um certainly be sharing this widely if anyone is sort of if it piques your interest at all please feel free to email me um and.mundy at summerfordassociates.com 
and also if Ken doesn't mind I'll probably put like some way to contact you at the way you can subscribe to this podcast. Please do, yes. Because basically we're here to help so if you if you want more on a topic or want contacts on based on your particular um, company and where you're at on the journey then we can absolutely help and um, yeah good to speak to you Ken. Likewise Anne thank you for giving me this opportunity. Take care then bye-bye. Bye-bye.